You're listening to Hey Doc, the show for and by people passionate about healthy living, hosted by Dr. Bridger Cutler and Dr. Caleb Valdez, two chiropractors seeking to make the world a healthier place. All right, everyone, welcome to another episode of Hey Doc. Dr. Valdez, your co-host. This is Dr. Cutler in the house. So we are glad to be back with you today. Um, we want to talk today especially about hormone health. A lot of our recent conversations have prompted some good questions from you guys. So keep those coming. We're loving those. Uh, we want to talk about what are hormones, what do they do, and what does that have to do with our nervous system or chiropractic in general. Uh, this is definitely an area that we're learning more about and uh, excited to share what we found out about with, with you today. I think there's, a, there's been a lot more focus on hormone health just in, in general, especially in like social media, people talking about hormones, especially when it comes to sleep. And I mean, being in like, if we, if we talk about just like fitness and stuff, people always talk about anabolic steroids, stuff like that. That's hormones. Um, I think having an understanding of where your hormones should be and what it feels like to have those hormonal deficiencies and what can cause them can allow you to really take control of your health in a very holistic way. Because much of what people struggle with these days is is a hormonal disorder. There's so many hormone disorders that are, they run rampant yeah. all over the U.S. So and and if you think about it, our brain, you know, is is the master system of the body. It's it's controlling everything. It sends out a signal to through a nerve to a gland somewhere in the body. That gland produces a signal molecule, which is basically what a hormone is, right? Mm -hmm. um, sometimes those, those hormones act on other tissues or other glands and they yeah. release other things. It's kind of like telephone Pro hormones, stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, all, all the stimulating hormones yeah. and things. And then other times those hormones actually directly, you know, have the effect in the body like uh, insulin, I guess, or something. So there's a lot of uh, technical things. This is an entire branch. It's very confusing, can be. So we're going to try to unpack a lot of this. I remember before I went to school, just kind of thinking the hormones had something to do with, I, I knew about insulin, obviously that's the big one. Um, I always thought it affected like, you know, women's monthly cycles and like sex, but not. I always, I always thought with hormones growing up, I was like, hormones gross. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, I always heard like my mom and my, my mom was talking about like, it's so hormonal, like <laughs> I'm on my period right now, so my, hormone, my hormones are all yeah. out of whack yeah and then my mom growing up um i know she'd be okay with me sharing this but she had Hashimoto's so she had Hashimoto's thyroiditis which is a deficiency with yeah and um so i mean she started with that for a long time and i remember talking a little bit about that and so when i got to school and we finally started learning about hormones and especially my master's degree when we started really getting into hormones and how it affects metabolism affects activity that was where i got super interested yeah. And learning about like girls specifically and how your period and the, the hormone cycling that happens during that period can very much affect the performance that you're going to have right. when you're working out, when you're training, as well as when you're performing. Right. And you definitely hear more diagnoses of things like endometriosis or, you know, uh, menarche, like a lot of these really big hormone-driven disorders, like you said at the beginning. Um as I was writing my book, I, I just saw how much hormones play into baby, you know, birthing and breastfeeding and all of the, the, the baby stuff. So um, as a chiropractor, how do you view hormones now? What, what is... I just, had, I just had an interesting thought on hormones. <clears throat> I mean, we could look at stress as a hormone disorder. Hmm. Chronic stress is a hormone disorder. 
Yeah. I mean, that's what adrenal fatigue is. Yeah. So, I mean, chronic stress is that you have, your body is unable to balance its hormones after being stressed out because stress is good for the body when it's controlled, when your body can adapt to it. That's why we need stresses. That's why exercising is good because it stresses out your body, then your body adapts. Um, having these stresses that we put on our body through life allows us to adapt to overcome these certain things, which makes our body more, uh, makes it stronger, makes it uh, more neurologically sound. There are so many benefits that come from applying enough stress. But when we start getting into the this chronic stress state that we're always in, it's very much related to our hormones not being able to balance. Cortisol becomes way too high, which is going to decrease all the other things. Send just everything else. It's this big cascade of different hormones. And I'm looking over all on our wall. We have a nervous system poster that kind of shows how the nervous system connects to different organs. And I'm just thinking about how interconnected our body is. And by understanding that, like, hey, when my body is chronically doing something, it's because it has an inability to adapt there. And a lot of times, neurologically first, and that's where we come as chiropractors, and that kind of goes to the question you just asked, is what is my role in that? Number one is it's, I need to get your neurological, fun, the, the signaling of those hormone-releasing yeah. glands, um, a lot of it comes from your nervous system. I need to get that balanced. So that starts kind of getting that baseline established, and we can start from there. And then after that, we start going into the nutrition thing. And that's where, as chiropractors, I mean, we both took classes on biochemistry as well as nutrition. And then in my master's, we did a ton of work on nutrition and, and just hormones related to that. Yeah. And if you look at just how, when you take into, into account nutrition as well as the, the neurological aspect of it, that's how we can really focus on this. I feel like healthcare right now is very much like, oh, you're deficient. Like you don't have enough of this hormone. Let's give you more. Yeah. Instead of, well, because you can tie a product. To yeah. So absolutely. There's, there's mistakes to be made yeah. as opposed to, okay, well, let's look at your body. What state, what chronic stresses are like, what's the chronic state of your body? And then we can look at, okay, first of all, um, your body's not getting this like iodine or something for your thyroid gland. You're completely iodine deficient. So of course your, your thyroid gland is not going to be able to create thi uh, thyroxin or the, the different thyroid hormones that it needs so it can actually help your metabolism to burn. So you're going to be, um, you're going to have that hypothyroidism. Yeah. Because your body can't actually make it. You're not giving it what you need to make the hormone through your diet. And that's one of the big problems with the low fat diet is low fat diet is so terrible for hormones. Yeah. I mean, all those sterols, right? Yeah. Cholesterol even is a mm -hmm. precursor to a lot of these. And those are all going to come from, I mean, they're, they're built off of these, these sterile backbones. These hormones are, we need fats. You need quality fats too. Yeah. And our, our diets are so filled with these omega sixes and just so high in those, and we never gonna give our bodies the, the DHA and the EPA from the omega-3s and these different things that are really gonna help us deform and help our bodies deformulate. So instead we're just like, oh, we're deficient in this hormone. Here's some artificial hormone or here's some uh, whatever. We, we grew it in a lab and it's, it's very similar to what you grow in your body, but it's the same thing with, we talked about anabolic steroids, I think earlier today or maybe yesterday. With steroids, one of the big things that you notice when you start taking testosterone and um, is that the testicles will shrink because when you start supplementing with something like that, your body will start 
down-regulating the cells right. that create that substance. Yeah. It's like, hey, I don't need these anymore. I'm getting it from somewhere else. Why would I have it? Yeah. So I want to go back a little bit to what you're talking about um, with fats being the, the building blocks of a lot of these things. If you think of just the basic chemistry here, you got a cell, right? And the cell wall is a, is a uh, phospholipid bilayer. It's, it's fat layers, basically, yeah. that push out other water molecules. Think of yeah. fat and water don't mix, right? So the only way you can get a signal molecule into that cell wall, into the city, and then into the palace of the king in that city, which is the nucleus, is to have these fat backbones that, because fat and, and oil will attract, and so those things can pass through each other. So that signal molecule, whatever that is, and it's usually a protein. A protein? Yeah, usually a protein. I mean, if it's not hormone, like the proteins are going to be one of the signaling molecules that can actually be on top of the cell to allow that to kind of signal. Yeah, to go into the center, into the nucleus of the cell and redirect whatever that cell is doing that has the, the marching orders basically for that cell. And it, it, it does derive from sterols, from fats, from that. And that's why I have such a hard time with the war on saturated fats right now. Um, we, that's hard. I mean, you can, you, I know you've been, you've been preaching that. I actually picked up some really high quality butter um, at the store the other day. And I haven't had butter for saturated fat. Is not here. Yeah. I'm sorry, but anybody tells you that it's the enemy is completely they're, they're working off epidemiological studies that were done in like the 60s that were not true um, i mean you can't prove causation by correlation okay you have to you have to isolate it and i'm sorry but there's so much more research coming out about saturated fat how good coconut oil how stable it is your body can utilize it so well um, I mean, same things with like really high quality animal fats. Like our bodies can process that very well because we have the mechanisms from millennia of adaptation. We have yeah. mechanisms in place to, to really work with that as opposed to rapeseed oil and canola oil and grapeseed oil. What the hell is grapeseed oil? <laughs> or, I mean, vegetable oil, which is the conglomerate of a whole bunch of garbage. Yeah. All these different things that we're just saying, these are healthy. Our body can't actually process, and it just causes all of this dysregulation and dis-ease in our body, yeah. both physiologically through our food and neurologically. Yeah. So it's the same Dr. Cutler mantra, get high-quality proteins and high-quality fats, um, and a lot of these issues will kind of clear up. A lot of the deficiencies, quote-unquote, in hormone land are, are addressed with that. I just noticed today that Bear Grylls, who I used to watch you know, for his Survivor Man-type shows, um, he went hardcore vegan a while back. It was just that was all he could talk about, and so I kind of stopped watching him for a while. I found he's repented. He's come back into oh, yeah. the meat eaters. He's saying, man, I was, I'm embarrassed. I was ever so hardcore on that because he understands the science now and what it does to your body and no judgment against him. I'm glad he's on his little health journey. He's figuring all this stuff out. I mean, the guy could definitely outlast me in the Arctic tundra. Now he's changed and he's clear. I mean, he just, he did yeah. tons of meat. He's tons of animal products. I think he might eat fruit too. Yeah. But I mean, that's, your body doesn't necessarily need carbohydrates. Your body needs proteins and fats. Yeah. And it will try to, to rearrange the molecules and carbs to, to try to patch things up as much as it can. But if it's not getting those oils, those fats. You the, need the amino acids. You need the, the, the glycerol, the, the different lipids that, that are formulated in those fats that are really going to help to repair tissues. Yeah. It is a reason why when you get out of the hospital, 
or when you have a surgery, they put you on a higher protein diet, which they typically give you really crappy quality protein. Yeah. And sure protein shakes, which are absolute garbage. Yeah, serving hot dogs in cafeterias. Oh my gosh, it makes like... me sick. Walk into a hospital <laughs> cafeteria. Sick. Hey, walk into a hospital cafeteria, just like, are we trying to make people stay here? Because <laughs> we're just killing them. This is Jello. Yeah, but what is this? Polysorbate eighty in it. What is this? Terrible. It has a number. <laughs> if it has a number next to it, you probably shouldn't eat it. Yeah, and that right. means for hospital food. Yeah, when you go to the store and you buy an apple, um, it doesn't say apple one, apple two, apple three, apple four. Yet, yet, don't, don't eat <laughs> there. Okay, it just says apple. All right, but if you go and you pick up something that says polysorbate eighty or whatever yellow thing it has oh, yeah, wow. that has a number next to it. First of all, what the hell is Yellow Link? Like, sounds like a secret government project that just went horribly wrong. <laughs> they're, still, they're still analyzing that project. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah. So we kind of touched on this, but let's just kind of go back. Hormones are responsible, obviously, for development. So it's really important kids get yeah. breast milk, you know, for the first, ideally for the first two years of life, at least the first year, high-quality fats and proteins while we're building healthy bodies. So um, important to build that foundation with with quality things. Yeah, that's where the brain is developing. The sheath on the outside of our nerves is, I mean, medium chain triglycerides does wonders for that type of nervous system development. So, oh, yeah, coconut oil is great. Um, that that's what builds healthy nervous systems. So, um, reproductive health, um, heavy periods, heavy flow. That those are not those are indicators that something is off. In the body. I think one of the important factors to note too, as well as it's not just important in development, but it's it's important for the maintenance. Because if you've developed your your nervous system the right way with the right lipids, mm -hmm. uh, especially omega threes, you need to get your omega threes. You need to make sure that you're not just getting straight omega sixes. Getting omega threes, you're getting just a balanced amount of lipids, different kinds of lipids, not from seed oils. But from avocado things, avocados. Um, I mean, there have some, been some things that come out of avocados, but I, I feel great after eating them. Very specific per person. But coconut oil, so many properties that are beneficial to coconut oil. Yeah. Hemp, hemp oil. I mean, I haven't heard much about it, like negative wise. So I'm good with hemp oil right now. Um, also, like Brazil nuts. Okay, Brazil nuts are actually really good because they have good source of selenium in it. Trillion as well. Um, um, how about krill oil? Krill oil, awesome. The, any of the cold, like cold water, species. Yeah, cold water species of fish is going to be awesome. Salmon, especially like wild caught Alaskan salmon. Yeah, cold. I would. I saw a whole bunch. There's salmon that was ridiculously cheap at Walmart the other day, like three bucks for a thing of like lox, and you know how much I love like smoked salmon. I was like, this is too good to be true. Sure enough, you look on it and it says, uh, responsibly raised farmed salmon. And I was like, you may think it's responsibly raised. First of all, there's no indicator for that. There's no standard out there. So don't uh, don't hang your hat on that. But yeah, go for wild caught on that stuff. And if you're taking like a fish oil supplement, omega supplement, crush the capsule between your fingers and smell it. If it smells rancid, if it smells fishy, you need to throw it out and get a new, a new sun. When people talk about like, oh, I don't take fish oil because it gives me the burps. Probably because your fish oil is rancid. Yeah. Because like, your body can't even process it. Yeah. Like you're putting this little bit of fish oil in your body that it's, it's rancid inside there so you can't smell it. Get a quality ingredient. A lot of times like we use pure encapsulations with us. We're contracts with them because I like their products because it's third party tested. Also, the product from them that I use that I give to patients 
is, I think it has 1.2 grams of fat, so 1,200 milligrams, and a 1,000 of that is actually omega-3s. Wow. So a very high percentage of the fat in there is omega-3s. The hard thing is a lot of times when you get these omega-3 supplements, the cheap ones, it's like, oh, yeah, there's... There's 3,000 milligrams of fish oil, uh, 3,000 milligrams of fish oil in here. And then you go and you look at which portion of it is actually omega-3s, and it's like 400 milligrams. Wow. So, so they're using like inferior oil. Yes. For so what they're doing is they're, they're not just extracting the omega-3, they're extracting the other stuff. So you're not just getting a bunch of omega-3, and you want to be trying to get it, honestly, at least about 3,000 milligrams. So three grams of omega-3s per day, phenomenal. And really high-quality red meat actually has omega-3s in it as well. High grass fed, red meat, grass fed, grass finished red uh, red meat. Okay, shout out to Paradise Valley. Yes, you can get some local game meat as well. Yeah, game meat fat. They're really it's, they're fat. usually usually not very fatty because they're just running around all over out supernatural. But like elk fat, they're so good. Okay, very good lipid profile there because an elk is opposed to deer as opposed to venison just because elk eat a little bit cleaner, not as much sagebrush as deer do. So, hmm. yeah, I did not know all that. That's fascinating. So yeah. Anyway, elk, awesome, awesome animal. Okay. You can get some elk meat. And you'll notice too, I mean, scalp conditions, hair and nail health, like a lot of things that you wouldn't think are related to fat intake are going to gonna improve with that. And I mean, I kind of got off on a little tangent, but the point I wanted to make with that last, that last little thing is when it comes to the fats and the neurological development and hormonal health. If you look at like type three diet, I'm, I'm type three diabetes, Alzheimer's. Just, I knew what you meant. Yes. <laughs> also Alzheimer's and stuff like that is where when you look at this this health as well as MS. Okay, if we want to be able to, because MS is a pretty much a dissolution. It's a problem with these oligodendrocytes in the brain, where the fat that protects these nerves starts to break down, so they become hyperexcitable. So making sure you have quality fats that help protect that and help to lay down new cells or give the cells what they need can make such a huge difference in treating these conditions. Mm -hmm. That's what drives me nuts is we're trying all of these artificial synthetic things when we should be, we should be addressing this with diet first. Yeah. Let's see what happens when in someone who's having a neurological condition, dementia, Alzheimer's, um, Huntington's, MS, whatever thing, if it's affecting your nervous system, mycenae grass, yeah. let's, Let's kind of look at your diet and really focus on it. This is not a recommendation right now. I'm just saying we should think about, let's look at our diet. Let's see what things with that we can change to give our body the support it needs and the building blocks it needs to have. Yeah. Because I guarantee you're probably not giving it the, you're giving it a bunch of bent two by fours. I don't know if you got to the store and going to the store when you're about to do a project, you oh, look at which two by fours. If you look at the project and you're just like, this two by four is garbage. Like it's a split right here. That's like giving yourself crappy fats. You're trying to build a house with warped wood. Yeah. You can't do that. It's a really good. You need to find the straight ones, the ones that are going to go together well, as well as if you know there's going to be a lot of stress there. Okay. If you know there's going to be water exposure, stuff like that, you have to get the treated stuff. Yeah. That's where it comes to, it's the same thing with quality ingredients. Okay. Yeah. Get the quality ingredients, make sure your body's getting that. And that's where supplementation can be beneficial mm -hmm. because a lot of times the foods that we have in the, in the U S are deficient in, because we've just bred them to be just mass produced. So that's where mm -hmm. supplementation can be beneficial. Make sure the supplements that you're getting are good. 
I the reason we we use pure encapsulations because I've I've looked at eight different I mean more than that different things and I'm constantly looking at different uh, supplement companies and it's because they're third party tested. I know that what they have in there is going to be what they have in there and it's not fillers. Yeah. Okay. You'd be surprised at how much of these sawdust and vegetable oils oh, and things makes me sick. And I'm sorry, but I noticed a one a day. I haven't picked up one of those for a long time. I was in a checkout line and there was a one a day sitting there. I just looked at the ingredients on the back. It was so laden with artificial dyes, sweeteners, preservatives, fillers. Your little gummy vitamins that you think are so great. Yeah. Just do yourself a favor. Throw those out right now. Let's you can make your own. Bit. Yeah. Like, if you want a recipe on how to make your own vitamins, honestly, <laughs> it's the greatest thing in the world. Beef gelatin is my new favorite everything. I love it. I love marshmallows. I'll make marshmallows with it. It's literally just a honey beef gelatin and all right, and then I'll put a bunch of spices in there. But like, if you want to make little gummy vitamins for yourself, you can get the vitamin and literally just pour them into the gummy mold with it, okay? And then you can put electrolytes in there. Right now, I just made electrolyte gummies using beef gelatin. Does it taste like beef at all? It's so good. Yeah. Why is going to be able to digest it? And there's no artificial dyes or anything in there. Yeah. We were on top of a mountain the other day, and he unzips this bag of homemade marshmallows with beef gelatin. It was amazing. It was such good protein. It was great. It was, it was awesome. Just didn't expect it out there. Um, oh, <laughs> we just went on a fire and pulled them We're sitting there, and I just pulled out these marshmallows. I was like, hey, you want marshmallows? Great. Yeah. Um, so all of these these hormone cascades, they're, you know, one thing gets off, it kind of affects the rest. But metabolism and satiety and those types of mechanisms, if, if somebody's trying to lose weight, gain weight, control appetite issues and things like that, hormones definitely play a role. If you want energy, oh, yeah. so important for energy. I mean, you look at thyroid hormone and, and how important thyroid hormone is for, I think specifically T4, is for like metabolism, metabolic health, as well as uh, like just energy levels in your body. Okay. And being able to regulate temperature. Yeah, it's another big thing that uh, thyroid is responsible for uh, that it can help with. Is I mean, make sure, make sure that you're getting the things so that your body can actually produce that hormone that yeah. we discussed a little bit earlier. Yeah. So things called endocrine disrupting chemicals (EDCs) we talked about them a lot in the last episode. So if you're if you're concerned about that or interested in learning more, I'd go back. I think it's episode seven. We just talked about toxins. Um, those definitely play a role. But let me list you some of the biggest side effects. This is a recent report from the World Health Organization, which is a garbage organization. You need to leave it. But that aside, <laughs> yes. uh, their main concern with EDCs was that it increases obesity, infertility, learning impairment, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease and cancer. So you think about all of everybody's major health concerns right now. You guys... If you could read our DMs and hear the questions and comments that we have here, table side, those are 90% of what people are struggling with right now. Obesity, infertility, learning impairment, type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and cancer. And think of how many different types of cancer are hormone responsive. A lot of people thankfully know at this point like estrogen and breast cancer go together. But everything else is so dependent on, because you think about it, we're, we have these signaling molecules, these, these chemicals that are supposed to convey messages to all these different types of tissues. And when those are pumped out at an uncontrolled rate, or they're not really the, the actual natural things, there's these synthetic supplements that are propping it up, those signals get crossed and cancer thrives in that kind of chaos. 
Yeah. So, I mean, hugely. And I, you look at all the phytoestrogens that we take and the xenoestrogens that we take into our body through like BPAs and stuff like that, as well as, <clears throat> I mean, seed oils as a huge thing when it comes to phytoestrogens, soybean. Wow, we were like 23 minutes into this before you mentioned seed oils. But I guess you know, I, I talked about it, you know, <laughs> like seed oils, stuff like, and I used to love flax. I used to put flaxseed all over the place. And I started noticing it was giving my body some indigestion. Um, I just wasn't liking it. And then we've, we've learned that flaxseed has a ton of estrogens. Yeah. Same with soybean oil. Um, and chia seeds, actually. Which I'm always not chia seeds were the ultimate, like, those like great superfoods. But they have tons of phytoestrogens in them. And that slimy little layer that they get that's yeah. so fun to, like, suck up through a straw. Yeah. That stuff is so indigestible. Like, yeah. your body just doesn't know what to do with that. I mean, it will help you, help you poop. It's the same thing with fiber. Um, I mean, when people tell me, they're just like, do we... We need fiber in our diets. This is I. This is kind of off subject here, but I've had this conversation way too many times. You got to realize that dietary fiber is it going to help you poop? Absolutely. But if your body is getting all the nutrients it needs from the food you eat, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter whether you have a whole bunch of extra fiber to push that through. It's going to get rid of the waste because it's like, hey, I already extracted everything I need. My body's functioning fine, so let's push the rest of it out. Yeah. Okay. I, there was a month where I didn't eat three months where I didn't eat any vegetables. I ate no vegetables. All I ate was fruit in me. I just carnivore fruit. Yeah. I'm not saying everybody needs to do that. I'm not saying that anybody should do that. Um, it's very much a specific thing. I wanted to try it. I felt amazing. I didn't eat all the, the only fiber that I got was maybe from like the apples that I was yeah. eating a little bit from like the bananas and maybe a little bit from the, the berries. But other than that, and I was so regular, never had a problem with anything, no indigestion, nothing. Okay, so when it comes down to it, if you are giving your body the nutrition, the nutrition, the actual nutrients that it needs to function, it's going to do fine on processing it out. A lot of times the reason why it holds on to things in your gut is stress. Your, symp your sympathetic dominant like crazy, which means you're... Your sympathetic nervous system, the, the fight or flight, is always going. So it's it's gonna be like I can't go to the bathroom right now. It's, what if I what if I get attacked? Yeah, it's freaking out right there. The other thing is it's it's trying to extract everything it can out of there because it's like I am missing stuff. I am missing something right now. Please give it to me. And it's hoping if it squeezes tighter and tries to absorb more of that that bolus that you've created through your digestion, that it can get more nutrients out of that. And fiber's not going to be able to give it to it because you yeah. can't bring down fiber. Another little sidebar conversation here. Um, a lot of parents will try Miralax to try to get their kids to poop. Just know that has never been tested in pediatric populations. It is not safe. It's not approved. It increases neurocognitive development problems like crazy, especially if you're a special population of patient genetic you know, complications and things like that. If you have behavioral or autistic spectrum disorders going on, Miralax is like gasoline on fire for that. There are so many better ways to get kids to poop than pouring that toxin in their system. So. There are so many, so many different methods too that just really focus on kind of getting the body into that relaxation stage so it can actually start processing it. Different massage methods as well where you can massage like intestine, intestinal massage or the colon, stuff like that where you work on valves. Yeah. Okay. Um, I had a cousin who he went in and he was like so constantly, he was in pain constantly, this excruciating cramping. And he went in and had like a couple sessions of like this different method kind of utilized on his stomach yeah. and on the valves in his stomach. Uh, I mean, the valves in his intestines. 
and completely changed him. He was he was better. Yeah, that's one of the things I things I address with you know babies and things like that. A huge believer, in. and I've done it with adults too. Like I've worked on adult stomachs, and it's I mean, okay. Another thing I want to address, and a lot of questions about this, is the infertility. Um, there are increasing numbers of couples that are having trouble conceiving, and the first place to start is addressing hormone health, reducing toxic load, and addressing the hormone health. First thing I would recommend is we get a good thyroid panel. And I'm hopeful that some more infertility clinics will start picking this up. Um, but so far, I haven't been super impressed. They don't look at a lot of these numbers when they start recommending their um, interventions. And I wish more of them would. So ask your fertility. I wish they would focus on diet. Yeah. I wish they would bring that in there. And I know I always harp on diet, but it's... it's yeah. So look at thyroid levels first. Um, things like TSH, T3, T4, TPO, and TGAB which are all indicators of how well... And iodine device. Yes, and iodine yeah, device. as well. Yeah. Um, the next one we look at is prolactin for the women. Um, that's what signals the body to let down breast milk. And that is essential postpartum for feeding baby. But too high of levels on that are going to stagnate ovulation because it tells the body not to, not to have a baby because we're producing breast milk still. We need, for evolution's sake... We don't want to have a bunch of babies back to back. So prolactin can kind of foil that if those levels are too high. There's a lot of chemicals and toxins in our area that are, are increasing prolactin levels and, and a sedentary lifestyle and, and a lot of other contributing factors will make those too high, make it hard to ovulate. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, homocysteine is another one. That one is becoming more increasingly common because people are talking about the MTHFR um, genetic mutation. They're looking at homocysteine levels. Uh, as homocysteine increases in the body, the quality and the longevity of sperms and eggs um, starts to decline. And so that's a huge thing in um, motility for sperm and the quality of the egg during ovulation for, for uh, females. Um, I'd also look at mold, mycotoxins, which are specifically the toxins that mold spores produce. Um, house back in Dallas was just covered in black mold. I'm sure yeah. that was just messing with all kinds of hormones during that time because you, you don't want to be around that stuff. And those toxins can go in your body and cause all kinds of weird, it's like Lyme disease, you know, it's, it's this weird cluster of symptoms that nobody's really diagnosing, but look at your mold exposure. I mean, having mold spores in the air, those mycotoxins is just going to completely ravage your body because it is always fighting them. Yeah. Always trying to get rid of those out of the body. So yeah, the other thing that we focus focus on a lot when we're testing hormones is blood panels and things, blood draws. The urine actually tells you a lot more about how your body is metabolizing and producing those hormones. Um, and so there's a test called Dutch, which is a dried urine uh, test, comprehensive hormones. I don't know why they put it that way. Just probably because it spells Dutch, and that's kind of cool. So those will tell you a lot about estrogen, progesterone, test testosterone. And they're a lot more precise with those levels because you can see what your body's not using and excreting rather than just what happens to be floating around when a needle goes in your arm. So that's a little bit more, more helpful with that. Um, I know we've talked about this before, but hormonal um, birth control. Um, it will completely change everything about your, your physiology. You have to understand that its, its whole goal is to prevent you from getting pregnant. And it does that by... By, I mean, ramping up the, the different hormones like prolactin, they're going to prevent you from getting pregnant, all these different things. And I've mean, had so many people tell me, well, it made my period more, more manageable or it got rid of my period, which is awesome. I don't have any period anymore. That is not good. That is not a good thing. You need the period because that is your body going through its natural cycle. 
You need that natural cycle for your, for your health, for so many different things. There's a reason why like the female athlete triad, um, that's what they call when, when women start to overtrain and they start to lose their period. Amenorrhea is one of the big things. They start to have a dysfunctional period. Okay. That's, it's a huge problem that comes with this, this birth control where, oh, it makes it easier. It helps with my acne. You know what else would help with your acne? Stop stopping eating sugar and crappy fats. Yeah, deal with your liver function. Yeah, deal with your liver. Do do some stuff for your liver. Get your liver what it needs to actually like detox itself because that is your detoxifying organ. Okay, but we're constantly storing all sorts of stuff, constantly hyping up our blood sugar and really feeding all of these bacteria in our face with crappy fats, with crappy uh, carbohydrates, crappy sugars. Like, of course you have acne. And all that's happening when you're taking these these birth controls, these hormonal birth controls, is just messing with your hormones even more and causing all of these problems by making some super low, making some super high. Yeah. And it's just not good at all. And I think a lot of doctors just as kind of like a panacea, just a catch all for this. They don't want to diagnose separate dysfunctions like acne, like liver issues, like, you know, um, amenorrhea. So it's just like, Oh, just get on this, this birth control. That, that does nothing for your body on a functional physiological level. It can't address immune issues or metabolic issues or endocrine issues like food can, like actually treating those things can. It literally just covers up all of those symptoms. So the problem keeps getting worse, but you just don't have to deal with the symptoms until the problem hits rock bottom. And now you're not producing anything of this hormone or that, and, and things are really in dire straits at that point. And then guess what? They have more pills for that kind of thing too. So... Uh, there is an increased risk of blood clots, of headaches, of nausea, cramps, mood swings, uh, decreased sexual you know, libido, um, increased tenderness. Anything that responds to those types of hormones, any of those tissues, you're definitely going to have, have some issues with that. <clears throat> but there are some real factors with heart disease and stroke and you know bleeding disorders. And, and those are not talked about as often as they should be, but they're very real. Oh, they absolutely should be. I mean, if you're if you're hyper hyper regulating certain things, yeah. then of course there's going to be other kind of a cascade of problems that, that come as a result of that. So I mean, when it comes to, and of course I'm not a girl, so I can't speak to this directly, but as a doctor, as someone who has done a lot of research on it and who has treated patients with this, tracking your cycle is always going to be what I recommend. Yeah, always going to be the recommendation I give. Learn your cycle. Learn how to track it. Okay, some people are going to have different length of cycles. So, like twenty-eight day cycle, thirty-day cycle could be shorter, could be longer. Um, just find out what your cycle is and learn how to track it. Okay, temperature-wise, they make great apps. They make great technology. You can check your temperature, and it can kind of help you to, to guide to know where you're at. Okay, and then when it comes to to being sexually active during that time, and how do I not get pregnant? Knowing you're ovulating. Okay, you can't get pregnant when you're not ovulating. So. I mean, outside of those periods, also, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of condoms just for all the garbage they have on them and, and lubes and stuff like that, like the crappy quality silicone. Um, I mean, latex silicone. Uh, but like learning, getting better at pullout or understanding like, hey, there's risk that comes with this activity amplifier. Yeah, it's going to be huge. Yeah. So, and... These hormone cascades also interfere with your body's ability to uptake nutrients. So um, being on birth control is a precursor to a whole bunch of other vitamin deficiencies that then lead to other symptoms that you might be treating differently, you know, hair loss. I mean, if you have thinning hair and you're on birth control, yeah, 
keep your elbows to low. You're probably not getting here enough nutrients because your body's not able to actually take them. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I want to shift gears a little bit here. We're going to talk about melatonin. Ooh, this yes. is my new like favorite hobby horse of the week. I'm going to throw this to him very much. He's going to focus on this, and I mean, I'll I'll throw in a little bit of yeah thoughts on this too. But and I need I need your eyes on some of the research that we've been going over because this is it's pretty dead stuff. But I am now convinced more than ever that melatonin, not only do we not understand it very well, but it is the master, one of the key hormones in our body for a lot of reasons. And you ask anybody where they produce melatonin, and some people know that it, it comes from the pineal gland in the brain. We got that. Only about 5% of our body's melatonin production comes from the pineal gland of the brain or the lateral ventricles, which are another source, but they're all right there. 95% of melatonin is actually subcellular, what they call it. It's produced in the mitochondria of the cell, and it's produced in response to our exposure to sunlight, which is really cool because if you understand how melatonin works, it actually helps mop up something called ROS, it's reactive oxidative species. So when ultraviolet enters your body, uh, you know, the, those rays can cause cancer issues and some free radicals and oxidation and stuff like that. Oxidation, incidentally, is what leads a lot of uh, premature aging. You know, our skin starts to wrinkle, our cells start to get older and die. Sometimes they mutate into melanomas or, and cancers and things like that. So they get really a bad rap. And they're definitely something we want to minimize. But you think about our ancestors, they were working an average of 70 hours a week out in the sun, getting exposed to sunlight. Their mitochondria were not being inhibited by sunscreens and all these toxins. I mean, and every single one of them not die from They should have all cancer. had skin cancer. <laughs> and, and now we're getting less than 30 hours of sun exposure in a month for most people. And so we are very, very sunlight deficient and we're melatonin deficient because of that. And then we're pumping this cheap melatonin into all of our kids to try to get them to oh, shut up in church yeah. and go to sleep at that time. So it's it's just a perfect storm for a bunch of bad, bad reasons. But melatonin produces produced by the mitochondria of the cell goes out and starts it acts as a shield to protect the cell's most valuable and vulnerable structures from oxidative damage from these ROSs. Um, it's like the rodents of unusual size. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, I've never thought of that correlation. That's hilarious. But it also decreases, and, and a lot of the studies, I was kind of going on this rabbit hole uh, the last couple of years. There's been a very popular viral infection that's an upper respiratory, supposedly, infection that we're all you know dealing with still. Um, <clears throat> and two weeks just didn't quite cut it. So I'm wondering, here we are, what, three years after the fact? Three-ish years? Why haven't we figured this out? Um, you look at melatonin production and sunlight exposure, and I thought, oh, it's vitamin D. Vitamin D levels are low, right? We all heard that during this. And it's really important to check vitamin D levels, obviously. But sun exposure, while it does increase you know, some of our, our body's vitamin D response, there are studies from countries like the US and the UK, especially, and I'll get into that in a second, and Italy, where vitamin D levels were tracked. And they didn't actually correlate to an immune response like we thought they should have. And so a certain lobby was just like, well, yeah, that just proves that vitamin D and sunlight and all that healthy crap that you guys are talking about is BS. Like, you need our shot. And uh, oh, we're going to have to bleep out that word. Dang it. <laughs> I was doing so good. Um, but you look at a country like the UK, and it is so far north 
anybody who goes outside and gets sun in the United Kingdom is not going to produce enough vitamin D to mount any significant response. However, and that just tells you that the UK, because of its location, doesn't receive a lot of UVB radiation, but it does get a lot of infrared radiation, which is what triggers melatonin response. And so people in the south of England, which were going outside and getting infrared exposure, they were producing more melatonin. Their bodies were mounting heavier immune responses to upper respiratory infections. They were decreasing the rates of blood clots and strokes and things like that. Um, and they were having lower incidences of cancer. Now that wouldn't have happened in a country that had high vitamin D levels and high melatonin levels because we're getting UVB and infrared from the sunlight everywhere else in the world. But really northern latitudes like that, like places in Italy, parts of the United States, um, it is really, I'm convinced, a lot more about the melatonin response that our body produces in conjunction with the vitamin D rather than just vitamin D exposure and vitamin D levels, which was kind of a paradigm shift for me. Well, tell me this. So, I mean, I don't know. People, people might be like looking at this thinking like, okay, well, if we need melatonin, why not supplement with it? Because it's a synthetic form of melatonin. And when you introduce it from the outside in, and it goes into your digestive tract, which is not how it was intended to be made, that melatonin stays in your gut, in your plasma, and it's really not, it's not the subcellular production from mitochondria that are actually gonna protect against reactive oxidative stress. The other thing is, in your brain, the pineal gland production of melatonin and stuff like that, those are all gonna downregulate because you're giving your body what it needs. So it's like, well, why would I make it myself if you're just feeding me a bunch of these, you know, Walmart brand melatonin molecules? We're gonna shut down our own production of melatonin and you become very dependent on those. And those doses have to constantly increase because your body is cutting back. Um, and, and it's just so much better. The other thing is a lot of people will take vitamin D um, which also increases in their bloodstream. But for that to become bioactive and bioavailable, so meaning it's in the tissues and the cells can use it when they need to, it has to go through this process where it's differentiated. It starts as 125-dihydroxycholicalciferol, and then it's metabolized through your large intestine, through your liver, all that stuff, and it becomes bioactive and tissue available to those cells when we do it the right way, the way that nature intended, which was getting exposure on our body during the hottest parts of the day, you know, 11 o'clock to 3 p.m. usually. So what would you say about little kids being outside? And I mean, I feel like this is a big thing is when, when little children go outside, the moms are immediately like, oh, put more sunscreen on, put more sunscreen on. Yeah, that is very much a conditioning of the culture that we're in. And you look at those kids that never mount a sufficient vitamin D level, they're interrupting that melatonin cycle, that production in their body. I mean, you're the amount of chemicals and stuff in there. Yeah. I mean, I hated sunscreen growing. <laughs> like, hardly ever did I wear sunscreen. Right. Never had skin cancer. Yeah, you have great, healthy skin. I mean, really vibrant. Why I never once put on, and I was like outside in the sun, hardcore every day. I mean, I, I do that every summer. Yeah. Um. Right now, <clears throat> if I can on weekends, I'll usually go all the way outside. We'll have meetings about this kind of stuff, and he'll be out in the backyard tanning. Yes, just, we'll be sitting there talking. Yeah. We'll just be getting sun and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, there, there's also an important mechanism you should know about called melatonin stimulating hormone, which is actually responsive to the receptors in your eyes. So if you wear uh, shades, sunglasses, while you're out, your body thinks that you're indoors, and it will shut down a lot of those protective mechanisms, so you, you're not producing what you would otherwise. 
So you think of your typical tourist beachgoer. They got the shades on and they've got just white cancer cream slathered all over their body. That's shutting down this entire process that we're talking about. And then they wonder why they're eating all these seed oil rich diets and they're getting melanoma. And it's like, oh, well, my dermatologist told me it's because I didn't, I didn't cover up that one little spot seven years ago when I was in Brazil. It's like, no, you know what? Your body knows how to fight cancer and how to protect itself from the sun. We've been living on this planet for 300,000 years, and it hasn't been because we didn't, we, we had all this. Yeah, the biggest change, and this is something I heard from, uh, from a doctor from, who's actually on a, podcast but he talked about the reason for our increase in life expectancy is not because of our increase in like medicine he said medicine is probably about five years at about five years on life expectancy he says the biggest change and reason why we have longer life expectancy is just public health changes clean drinking water better places to live yeah i mean better social part so that i mean it's no longer survival of the fittest it's everyone's trying to look out for each other yeah and so of course people are going to live longer yeah. But then I think dietary diversity, we now have access to foods that we have food in different places. We have food. We do. And it's not seasonal food. You know, you can yeah. get an apple in certain times of the year when, you know, that used to be an apple. And yeah, I mean, when you're talking about like seed oils and how it affects different things, we talked about free radicals. Um, when you have, and this is, this is why you don't cooking with like olive oil, when you heat it above a certain a certain degree of like monounsaturated and polyunsaturated fats. When you heat them up, that that unsaturated part, that that bound hydrogen, all right. What's going to happen is that's actually a spot where it can, it can actually break, okay. And that creates these free radicals from these fat molecules that we have. That's why saturated fat is so safe and can be cooked with. That's why I, I always recommend cooking with uh, coconut oil. Butter. So it doesn't have that break point. Yeah, it doesn't have that break point. That saturated fat, it has a very, it's very stable. It's not going to create these free radicals that the monounsaturated and polyunsaturated would. Okay, especially polyunsaturated fats. Those ones, I mean, that have multiple these break points in the chain that are going to allow points to where we can create these free radicals with that oxidative stress. Okay, whether it's heating it up, whether it's UV radiation, whatever it is. Those are what's going to go and damage different things. And we have that damaged DNA and it starts replicating uncontrollably. That's what cancer is. That's what metaplasia is. That's what metastasis is. Okay. When you're having this uncontrolled replication because it's been damaged. We just use that, that DNA code. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of words I just said. That was a lot. I that makes just sense. trying to digest that too. Yeah, I was, I was just thinking about this restaurant that I saw that advertised. They were super proud. They had the same oil that they cooked their burgers in for over 116 years. I'm just thinking how many free radicals are in that just oh. swimming around. Also, French fries, newsflash, pretty bad for you. One of the worst things in the world you can eat is <laughs> French fries. <laughs> I mean, when they're when they're cooked in seed oils and the oils they cook in vegetable oil even peanut oil stuff like that especially peanut oil especially peanut oil yeah so i mean just i mean canola oil is probably worse but peanut oil is right up there they're they're pretty similar yeah so well good do you want to tell us about thyroid function and iodine levels Thyroid function is something that i've been very interested in just from the because it's close to home because i have several family members who have with this and so they get questions about it a lot and i feel like it's very much it's a very common thing i mean you hear about hashimoto's 
um, like hypothyroidism or even Graves' disease, which is hyperthyroidism. Um, typically, it's going to be hypothyroidism. That's very common in women, especially ones who have done the low-fat diet. I feel like that's one of the biggest precursors. And almost every time I ask someone who comes in and they're like, hey, I have hypothyroidism, how do I treat this? If I ask them about their history and I take out their own history, a lot of times it's because they did the low-fat diet for a while. They eat a bunch of low-fat foods. They focused on cutting all saturated fat from the diet. They never eat red meat. They are very focused on certain things, but you got to realize that, and they're like, oh, well, I take a multivitamin every day. It's usually healthy people too. That's what's crazy. A lot of times these people who get these, uh, or at least with me, I, most of the patients, probably about 60% of patients that I've seen that have hypothyroidism are very active mm -hmm. and they they look pretty fit, but yet it's because they've had to decrease their towels and they've had to decrease their calorie intake so much. And a lot of times it comes down to just not giving your body the nutrients. It's not getting iodine. It's not getting the, the other precursors that are important for creating thyroid hormone. And uh, also, when it comes down to people and getting their thyroid gland removed, so often, I have, and I have so many people who have brought this up, is they're just like, well, the doctor's never going to give me a chance to try anything else. They said, oh, well, you're getting a goiter or you're getting a swelling of this gland because your body's attacking itself. You're having inflammation in there. We need to take it out. So they remove this thyroid gland, which, oh my gosh, is so important. And in the thyroid gland on the back, you have the parathyroid glands, which help with calcification, bone health. And so now these, when you have that removed, think about all the things that you now have to, you are now completely dependent on drug. product, on a drug, yeah. because you cannot produce that anymore. Yeah. All right. So now, how do you the bone health? And it's, they're so quick to do it too. Yeah. So on the very first thing, you're just like, oh, you're getting some swelling there. As opposed to, let's look at some herbal remedies. There are so many herbs out there that can be beneficial, that can help. But number one, let's look at the deficiencies you have in your diet. Let's look at what things you aren't getting, what things we need to change, what things we need to add in, okay, so that we can really address this. And then that's where we'll supplement with certain things. We'll supplement with whole food-based um, things, whole food-based vitamins, minerals, nutrients, um, where, where we aren't getting it through the diet. And then we can look at herbal remedies as well that can help with that. But so often, the very first thing that we're recommended is what we go with. Yeah. Because we're freaked out. Because we're like, hey, there's this big thing. And they're just like, oh, well, if the goiter keeps growing, you have a big old thing on your neck and you might get thyroid cancer. We'll have to remove it. And it's just, why are we scaring people? Why are we not trying something more conservative in the beginning? Let's, let's address this conservatively in the beginning as opposed to just jumping to the worst outcome. Yeah. Man, that reminded me two two conversations I had this week. One patient told me he had bursitis in his hip. So his doctor just removed it. Just took the bursa out. What? I'm like, um, yeah, those pesky bursa, you know, God just messed up and stuck it. What do you mean? Like, he took out the bursa? They had a bursectomy. They just removed the bursa because it was getting even when I heard of that. Neither. I was so shocked. He's like, yeah, I just got little stitches right there. It was a really quick little procedure. They just went in and took out the bursa. I'm like, um, so you realize you need that. Yeah, what's well, going to cushion things now? Oh, I don't know. He thinks I might just get a replacement in a few years. I'm like, it's like a, that's a pad. You need that. Yeah. Like, that protects the joint. What? He was so shocked. It's like, well, I'm glad the surgical side is obviously healing, but don't know what to tell you. <laughs> so it was, 
Oh, for the other sweet little gravity, we were just we were both in the yogurt section, like the deep freezer in this store, and she was trying to find. She's like, I want to be healthy. I want something with a bunch of like sugary crap at the bottom, like these blueberry things. And I'm like, I know they're not blueberries, and I don't know what they are, but I just want yogurt. I'm like, okay, great. Here you go. And she's like, well, I want the low fat kind. I said, why do you want the low fat kind? <laughs> and I'm looking at her. She, it's it's pretty textbook Hashimoto's thyroiditis. You know, I'm thinking. I think you need some fat on your grandma. So I just said, hey, just my two cents. And I gave her a little 30-second spiel of what you just told me. And she was like, okay, I'm going to try the full fat this week. But if I gain a lot of weight, I'm going to come find you. And I was like, okay. You're not going to need a much weight, I promise. It's going to be It's so much better for your body. And it's so much more satiating, too. Yeah. That's one of the big things on the low-fat diet is that you are unable to create the satiety hormones. That's where it comes to eating. You have to have these hormones, these satiety hormones that signal to your body, hey, I'm full. Yeah. I don't want anymore. I don't need anymore. I'm good eating slowly and having quality fats and proteins in your body can actually help to signal those those mechanisms that produce the satiety hormones. Yeah, and we have lipase, you know, that breaks down fat. When a lot of that hits your gut, your body's like, okay, we need a second to just kind of break this down, see what we got here. Um, and those signaling pathways should be should be firing as long as you have real food going on. Yeah, it's the same thing with proteins, peptidase, and, yeah. and uh, the proteases and different things. Yeah, that amazing, yeah. all that stuff just needs to needs to figure out what what is going on in that. Really, is is putting real food in that body. Yeah. Um, We'll do another big thing that, and this is just a recommendation, if you're having troubles like when it comes to just feeling full or like, hey, I, I've eaten like what should be my serving, but I'm still hungry, go on a walk. Yeah. Okay. One of the reasons why you still feel hungry is because your insulin probably spiked too much. What you ate in that meal probably spiked your insulin too much. And now your body's just like, hey, more, yeah. more of us, we're, we're like open for business. Just shovel it in. It needs about 20 minutes to figure out yeah. what you just put in. And if you want just a small walk, it's going to help mitigate that insulin response, which can make your body start focusing on digesting the individual things that you just ate. Yeah. You're going to feel a lot better. Okay, You're going to feel a lot more full during that, that meal as well as you're not going to gain a bunch of fat. Yeah. So we're really passionate about this. Dr. Cutler has a ton of extra experience in fitness, nutrition, um, his master's degree is in strength and human performance. And so he knows what it takes to have a healthy performing human. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's the big thing. When I tell people that they're just like, oh, well, you just work out stuff like that. It's, it's human performance. It's not just, it doesn't say athlete performance. It's based on different ages, different athletic levels. And yeah, there are certain populations that I'm very passionate about. Um, high school athletes. Yeah. I mean, I've been thinking about it a lot lately. I'm just like, the one that the age group that I feel like I wish just because so much of when I was in high school was I was so looking for this information. I was looking for to know what things I needed to be eating, what things I needed to be doing to, to reach the goals I wanted. Um, but it doesn't matter where you're at in life. Like you just having the guidelines and understanding your body is going to be such a huge, huge help. Yeah. And if you're a human being and you are, dealing with a nervous system with an endocrine system that's functioning like this we can teach you those principles we can help you figure out what works for you and that's why we adjust yeah. that's why we love adjusting yeah okay people can say whatever they want about chiropractors i mean i'm the things that i've been called <laughs> and i'm not let that roll off. i have so many friends too who are and i've always been known as like i mean my family mom's always been known as like the crazy witch doctor who just was 
it's like the oils and the stuff like that. But you know what? Like I would take that any day. Yeah. Because my body's healthy. I have a very healthy lifestyle. And when you look at the other side and they don't have the answer that they claim to, like they're, yeah. they're not winning on a single disease process on a single metric that I can really point. I to. cannot tell you the last time I had to pay for medication. Yeah. I usually lose the medication from hospital visit. We had we had to pay for an X-ray, um, which is a great well, reason. Yes. It was trauma induced, which is a perfect reason to have an X-ray. <laughs> but those like, I didn't have to pay for any sort of sickness stuff like that because when my body gets sick, and yeah, I get sick. I get sick after a while. Yeah. Um, it's usually because I've had like a really stressful episode. As soon as I get done with that, as soon as I accomplish that. Um, and the, I kind of get back in the parasympathetic. My body's like, okay, we got to just kill everything that's bad in here. Let's just, and let me tell you, he gets like, we both get really sick. Yeah, we I get sick. Get I get extremely sick. sick. And it, it's a little stress, scary. It's stressful. It's like, it sucks. It's about a day and a half, two days. But it's not like this three week lingering slide yeah. down and then I'm sick, for, I'm sick for a day or two and then I'm fine after that. Because it works and out. Run. I'm not going to take anything during that time. What I'm going to do is I'm, I'm just going to focus on like, I'll do bone broth. I'll just get on bone broths. I'll, I won't eat any sugar during that time. I'm going to sauna as much as I can. I'll probably take baths. I'll probably do a little some bit of herbal things every now and then. I'm always going to be active too. There's some times where I do not want to move. And I don't know if, yeah, because there was one time when I came out, I was sick. I don't think you were there. But he's probably seen me do this too because we live together. And, uh, but like, I remember one time I was super sick. I was at my parents' house. I just come home for a break from school. And I got super sick downstairs, and I literally just put on a blanket. All I was wearing was a blanket and underwear. And I literally just walked around my yard and was doing circles around my house. Because I was like, I need to move. I need blood flow. I need lymph flow. I need to be, like, pumping things. So I went and, like, walked four laps around the house. And after that, I was just like, all right, I'm good. I've done my, I've done my, my exercise the day I went inside. Laid with my feet up against the wall to try and kind of drain some lymph, too. And, uh... That's one big thing too. When you're picking a practitioner, find someone who does what they say. Yeah. When they tell you to do something, I want you to look at, is this person someone who's going to do that? If they're giving you health advice, do they take their own health advice? Okay. There are specific conditions. And yeah, I'm not saying that every doctor has to follow the specific conditions. Like if you are on a very restrictive diet for it, because you're treating a certain thing, if you're celiac disease, um, Look at the, the doctor that's prescribing you this and say, is he healthy? Is he actually understand health? When we get sick, we don't go to the medicine cabinet. We don't go to the pharmacy. But last time I paid for those drugs was 2011, end of 2011. Yeah. And I, I woke up, I figured things out, and I'm still putting pieces together. Yeah. So find somebody who is that passionate about letting their body fight these types of things. Fever is a good thing. Yeah. And in certain cases, like that's a controlled fever. Like your body is trying to heat up and kill a virus because the viral material can't. Yeah. Yeah. It can't survive past that point. And all you're doing by mitigating your fever right away, all you're doing is shutting down that mechanism that is, it's there to try and prevent this virus. Right. Wow. That was a great little immune immunology tangent. We I got at the end, but, a lot of stuff. Yeah. A lot of endocrinology information coming at you. Please reach out. We love helping people with this type of a thing. Dr. Cutler can do some concerts. We're currently setting up a bunch of stuff with genetic testing for nutrition. Just It's going to be based on your, your genetic needs. Um, getting adjusted as well. I mean, just what we love doing. Okay, Exercise stuff is something I'm very passionate about. We're setting up a bunch of programs with that. But just the biggest thing we can say is take care of your health. You are 
the boss. You are the one in charge of your health. You shouldn't let anybody else be in charge of it. Okay? Be the authority. Learn. Get educated. And learn what steps you can do to really holistically take care of your health. Yeah. Cool. Hope this is helpful. We love talking about this, obviously. So if you have any questions, reach out to us. Just DM. Um, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Yep. Talk to See you guys later. later. Oh,